0: If you'd like, I'm not, not judging, I'm just saying you can, if, if you need to mix up your morning routine. Um, we're going to be reading from the scriptures in a few different places today, starting in Deuteronomy chapter 6, just for a couple verses, and a little bit in, in Romans chapter 12, uh, and then a little bit longer in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we'll have those on the screen. Uh, behind me. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 and 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Now Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, 1 Corinthians 6, starting in the 12th verse. whom you have from God. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your scriptures, which bear your own power and authority. And we pray that that power and authority would press down on us, would pull back the layers of our own heart, would expose us and pierce us, God, we pray that we, with our whole selves, might respond to your word. Help us to hear it by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. So, uh, during, during Lent, we keep uh, saying this. We've invited you to participate in a corporate spiritual discipline, the rule of life, which, we want to remind you, are not rules for you. That's not what it means. It's a, it's a measuring ruler. Uh, ...like a a trellis or scaffold. Uh, It's helping you direct your life of pursuit of Jesus. And we have just a few things on there for you to participate in for this Lenten season. And uh, each Sunday I'm talking about something uh, directly or closely associated with one of those things. And this week we're talking about this thing that we put in there... uh, ...inviting you, encouraging you to move your body, to incorporate your body... Uh, in your life of discipleship with Jesus. And I would bet that if you were going to look at that list of six things and say, six seems like too much, let me cut this down, Um, this one would probably be one of the first to get cut for for many of you um, because it just seems weird. Uh, Some of them seem normal, like read your Bible, pray, be grateful, like these are things that Christians should do. But the inclusion of this thing ...move your body, involve your body in your following of Jesus... ...seems like a really strange thing to put on there. And what we want to hear today is that the scriptures would say... ...that this is not a strange thing, but it in fact should be part of our life with Jesus. Uh, We heard in Deuteronomy chapter 6, which we've been several times in this season... Uh, love the Lord your God not just with your heart and your mind, but your strength with all of who you are. In many ways, uh, it feels like we live uh, in a body obsessed time. It feels like we live in a time that's more obsessed with bodies than ever before. Um, we care deeply about you. Uh, Lifting weights, as we mentioned, or uh, running a lot, or eating so many bags of kale over the course uh, of your life. Um, Probably, if you go back a hundred years ago, there's not many examples that you could find that people would take money and give it to somebody else who then made them, the payer, pick up heavy things and put them back down and pick them up and put them down again. Uh, we live in a time that says, well, of course we would do that. Uh, if you can, you should do that. Uh, we seemingly deeply care about our bodies and our health and trying to extend our life. We live in a place, especially, that really values that. Not only that, but uh, we're, in many ways, we're being sold bodies all the time. Any product that's being advertised to you and I is being advertised with a better, nicer, more beautiful body. Like, nobody uh, picks an average person to sell their cars. They they pick a beautiful person. The message being, if you buy this vehicle, you yourself will also be either ruggedly handsome or undeniably beautiful. If you buy this light beer, you will also have 12 abs up and down your body uh, for everyone to see which is definitely not how it works. But we are being told all the time in the products that we are being advertised, which is ceaseless, that you should be very much concerned with what you do with your body, how your body looks, and you should constantly be seeking to improve it. So you might be saying, I don't need to hear more about the body. I hear too much about it. It seems like the world needs to hear lots of what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and that's all we need to really say. But in many ways, we live in a time uh, that is less uh, valuing of the body than ever before. We live our lives disembodied in many ways, in ways that nobody ever has in the history of humanity. That now, and this was true before the pandemic, we have come to increasingly believe that who I really am is my mind. Who I really am are, are the words that I can put out into the world. The more that we live our lives with and online, we come to believe that I, who I am physically is not really necessary or central to who I am. And this is something that's been going on since the telegram, when this technology was invented 100 and whatever, 50 years ago, that you could send messages to people very far away from you without ever actually having to go to them, we've increasingly come to believe that my body, my physical presence, is optional. And now there's a pandemic. And we've had to embrace the realities, kind of, of the Zoom world. And we we have been told uh, by public health officials for good reason that packing bodies together could and would be dangerous. So in in order to see each other, we've resorted to screens. Now, all of us, like, hate Zoom now. Uh, We're all very tired of it, especially if you have children who spend, like, their lives on Zoom. We're all sick of it. But the message that we increasingly are being taught again and again and again is I can I can transmit uh, who I am apart from my physical self. And that was being embraced in the church before the pandemic, before this really happened. Increasingly, people felt more and more comfortable saying, you know, I just won't go to church. I'll listen to a podcast. I'll watch a video. Uh, not because I had to pre-pandemic, but because, I mean, it seems like a pretty good choice. What matters is the information is transmitted from somewhere to me and put into my brain. And that, I would argue, and I think the scriptures would say, is not the fullest picture of what it means to follow Jesus. Now, we're, we're not talking about the necessity of what people right now are experiencing. We're to, in order to be safe. They are, right now, watching online. But we have to be able to say, as we're doing it, this is not a choice that we are accepting blindly, but in fact have to actively push against the things that that is teaching us. And in fact, when the pandemic is over, the video is going off. That's not going to be an option anymore for us. Because we have to push back against this message that we're receiving, that our bodies do not matter. In fact, what the scriptures teach is the body is an essential part of what God is doing in the world. It is not a mistake that you are born with flesh and bones. And you need to see that God's work in the world incorporates that and includes it, redeems it. You hear it in Deuteronomy when you are told to worship with all of your strength. You hear it in Romans chapter 12 when Paul says this surprising thing where he says you should offer your bodies as a spiritual act of worship. These are things that we kind of instinctively divide and separate. Your body and your spiritual act of worship, those things don't go together, but Paul puts them together and says that this is part of the renewal of your mind. He ties all these portions of who we are together into one package and says, it's all God's, the whole thing. And you have to offer all of that to God. In 1 Corinthians 6, Paul is is speaking of the body in a way that kind of we're most comfortable talking about this with, when God is telling you what not to do with your body. In 1 Corinthians 6, that's what Paul is doing. He's warning the the Corinthians away from certain behaviors. But the rationale extends beyond that. His central argument to the Corinthians is, you do not belong to yourself. That even your body itself has been purchased by God. And your body is, in some surprising and unforeseen way, a, a miniature temple of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy God of the universe indwells your body, and because of that, you ought to treat your body accordingly. We are being told that your body matters, and so what? What then does that mean? What does that mean for us practically in our day to day life? Now I am not here. to to sell you a gym membership or or healthy living diet or literature or something up here. That's not my primary purpose. There are people that can help you with those things. I I cannot. My job here is not to, to sell you on something like that, but instead to help you see the extent of what this means for us as people. If you are living your life... And you are suffering in pain. If you live with chronic pain. Pain that cannot be eliminated but is only barely controlled. This matters to you. Because what you are being told, what the scriptures are telling you. Is that pain is an arena for God's work. And the suffering that you are enduring is not something that God does not care about. He, in fact, sees your suffering and is intended to do something about it, even as you endure it. If you have embraced or felt a certain kind of suffering that comes from abuse, if you have borne the marks of somebody else doing violence of any kind, to your body. The church is not a place where you should hear the message either explicitly or implicitly. Just disconnect from what happened to you in your body. Your mind is all that matters. But instead, we would say the scars of what was done to you is something that God deeply cares about. And the church of any and all place Should be a place where abuse is snuffed out, is not covered up or hidden, but instead healing openly rushes in towards. The things that happen to us in our bodies matter. If you are born with a disability, we of all people should look at people born with bodies that work differently than ours and understand that their bodies are precious. And we are not waiting for them to have something fixed in them before they become sufficiently valuable. But we're saying that their bodies matter too. That those fleshly people also in whatever disability they might have are a place where they are not uh, devalued but valued as much. Not for when they're one day different or better but how they are. You know, my family, we live with this. My wife is born deaf. Her her body does not function correctly, I would say, as a hearing person. But what she would freely acknowledge to you is that God has done something unique and special in her through and in her deafness. And that she is partially who she is because of the gifts that have come with her disability. And we should find that unsurprising. Of all the people in the world, the people in the church should be unsurprised that God would work in this way through people who otherwise we might just say are broken. Your body matters to God. It is significant. It is not a secondary part of who you are. You are not just, as some have said, a soul that is temporarily inhabiting a body. You are who you are, body, soul, mind, spirit, all of who you are. And You are a recipient of redemption. You know, so much of the most important things that we do as Christians is telling us this, even if we don't pay attention. When you come and you follow Jesus and you respond to the gospel, or if you're born into a family that's already on that journey, you should be baptized. And baptism is not a thing that we put you in a chair and say, now imagine baptism. Now you're baptized. That's not how it works. We take your body and we either dunk you in the water or we throw water on you we put water on your body and we say that this is a spiritual exercise paul's whole argument in romans chapter 6 is that when your body is baptized into jesus which you are being told and confirmed in this gift is that god is going to give you jesus's own resurrection power even when it seems like the grave has come to claim you and what else do we do In this church, we weekly come to this table, the Lord's table. We call this communion. And we don't reduce communion down to an idea. We don't, again, put you in a chair somewhere and say, now, commune. Just commune. That's not what we do. In order to take communion, we walk up here... We take the bread and the wine in our hands and put it in our mouths. We are being told that we, all of us, are being invited to participate in the redemptive work of God in the world. And the best way, the best picture that we can demonstrate that is that the body and blood of Christ spiritually is communicated to you When you pick up ordinary bread and swallow it into your gut. And somehow, something spiritual happens that transcends our bodies. But certainly includes it. Your body matters is what the church is telling you. What the scriptures are saying. And ultimately, the way that we see this most clearly is in Jesus. You know, one of the, the lies, early lies and misunderstandings that the church first had to confront was that Jesus did not have a body. People heard the story of Jesus and said, uh, it cannot be that God would come to earth and take up a body. You can you can feel and hear this lie being pushed against if you open the the book of First John, and read the very beginning. And John is saying, this, we are testifying to you what we have heard and we have seen and we have touched with our hands. John is insisting this happened in Jesus' body. What we see in Jesus' incarnation is the infinite God of the whole universe who limitless and boundless took on the boundaries of our own flesh, had himself a body that was tired and hungry and sore and bruised, that could be stung by wasps that smelled terrible things. He had our body forever now having our body. What Athanasius and other early church fathers would say is, what Jesus takes up, what he takes on, he redeems. And when Jesus takes on our own flesh, he redeems even our bodies. When Jesus walks out of the tomb, it is not as a ghost, but as somebody with flesh and bone. Jesus' work of redemption encompasses not just what we can download the information we can download into our brains or the feelings that we have in our hearts, but actually takes up our own physical life. What you do with your physical life matters. What you eat matters. What you drink matters. What you do and feel matters. This works both positively and negatively. Christians, Uh, should be, above all, people who love good food and love good drink and appreciate what it feels like to wear good cloth. And Christians, above all, people who listen to Paul say and insist, it matters the body that you're born into and the body what you do with your body. We should have a profound appreciation for what God has done for us and the redemption of the world that we bear in ourselves. Now, you could be here and you could be saying, uh, I, there's, a, there's a problem. I, I realize I have actually uh, been living my life as if I was my own. Because remember, this is Paul's argument you do not belong to yourself, you belong to Jesus. And some of you have seized possession of that control because you've had control taken away from you by powerful and wicked people. And what the the good news of the gospel is going to tell you is that God is a better caretaker than the person who abused you and even better than you yourself. And he has demonstrated his character to you so that you can and you should trust him. And find his hands to be trustworthy on your own body. And some of you have been saying, I've just lived my life how I've wanted. Thank you very much. I've been content to maybe I'll come to church, whatever, watch the live stream, whatever, listen to the podcast. But I'll do what I want with my own self. Thank you very much. And the scriptures are, are clear on this point. Your response, your posture should be repentance. That is, in fact, not what God wants for his people. It is not what God wants for you. And you may be kind of sitting in the wreckage of those choices, continually taking control of your own life. But in this thing, there is good news. That when you come to God in repentance, you will find that actually he's not like a car shopper that only insists on buying brand new cars with zero, zero, zero miles on it but in fact loves purchasing for himself clunkers that have been abused and dented and rusted. And if you would recognize that about yourself, you will find a home in Jesus. Repentance is coming home. And Jesus wants you home with him. Wherever you find yourself in response to this good news that God comes to redeem not just your mind and your heart, but your body, Jesus Christ is before you this morning inviting you to come to him. He has for you goodness and reconciliation and healing. God intends to put his hands on all your scars and to bring healing to you now or in the future. His will towards you is to do good, to be good to you and to do good for you so that you would receive the fullness of his redemption and whatever state you find yourself in. Today, hear and receive what God has come to do for you, body, soul, and spirit, and receive it with arms open wide. Let me pray for us. Lord God, we thank you for this good news that we, we don't belong to ourselves, we belong to you. That our bodies have become temples of the living God. And God, we, we, have, we have done all kinds of things with our bodies, with our lives. We have ignored you. We've sometimes run towards you. We have been hurt. We have hurt others. And God, we know that we need the redemption that you offer in Jesus down to our bones. And God, I pray for those who are here who have been wounded, who have been distraught and destroyed by those who have, who have touched them wrongly, who have wounded them. And God, I pray that you would bring healing and redemption, companionship in their sorrow. God, I pray for the people who know that they have run away from you and done whatever they wished as if they were in charge. God, I pray that you'd help them to turn And respond to the good news. That even you don't just sort of cut out the things that are dirtiest and most shameful about us. The things that we feel most sorry about. But you embrace us as we are, where we are. And your grace is sufficient to bring us all the way home. I pray God that we would be wrapped up in the bigness of the redemption of the world in Jesus. I pray that God we might respond. And this morning, Jesus will be lifted up for the healing of his people that lasts on into eternity to the praise of his name. Amen.